This is Ready Radio, preparing you to be ready for anything. Now, here's your survival guide for Ready Radio, John Rush. All right, and we are Ready Radio, KLZ 560 live show today. This is July the 28th, and a little cloudy today. Rainy, but warm as well, 92 as we speak. If you're listening to a replay show, thank you very much for that. We do appreciate it. I'm going to talk today about water after I cover a couple of things ahead of that one thing in particular. And mainly because we got on the water subject last week and really didn't get a chance to finish things off. We had callers calling in and all sorts of things. So those of you that would like to talk more about water, filtration, storage, all of that, give us a call. We'll start off today with... uh, with your calls on that, 303-477-5600. Text line 307-200-8222. And again, what are your thoughts? I, I've got a chart that I'll go through here in a moment on the adequate intake for individuals when it comes to water so you can kind of gauge out what would you need in a time of crisis. But one thing that I wanted to talk about, it is Ready Radio, and I like giving out you know tips, even some you know personal Service announcements, things along those lines. Public service announcements. This is personal, though. Stop giving out your personal information on social media. The majority of games, I guess I should say, that are played where people are asking you, what's your favorite this? What's your favorite that? You know, you you get a point for every one of these things you can list you've done and places you've traveled and on and on we go. Folks, they're not games. The only game being played is on you. These are typically people that have created these things, not the person sending it to you, because that's probably a friend that is, you know, unbeknownst to them what's going on. But these are people that post these things that don't really have any idea what's happening, and typically they're ways to solicit information from people on social media. Typically Facebook, but it can be some of the other places as well. So just don't do it. And some of it will be couched as, oh, this is a fun game to play. I like to see the fun answers. Tell me the different places you've worked or what do you do for a living or name your company or, or, or. All sorts of things that you can get into on social media from how long have you been married? How many kids do you have? What year did you graduate high school? When's your birth date? By the way, every one of those things I just asked could easily be one of your passwords. Understand where this goes now? Every, a lot of people use a lot of different things. You know, what's your favorite this? What's your favorite that? Where do you like traveling? What's your favorite food? Who's your favorite band? On and on we go. Anytime somebody has a favorite, quote unquote, in a lot of cases, that becomes their password. And that's where criminals, that's what these people are. That's where they find a lot of things out about you personally And even if they're not using it to extract data from you or steal your identity, they can use it in other nefarious ways. I had this for Rush to Reason yesterday. I didn't get a chance to do it yet. But I, you know, AI is getting big enough now and good enough now where it can mimic a voice. I shouldn't say mimic. Duplicate is probably a better way to say it, Charlie. Duplicate a voice and have that voice really sound like a loved one. It's it's really eerie in a way. And they can make that AI voice really sound however they like in regards to, is it frightened? Is it in need? 
You know, all these different things that can come up. I was going to do it yesterday, but I didn't get a chance to, as I said a moment ago. And, and it, it's really a good public service announcement because you should really, I say this a lot on Rush to Reason, have a code word in your own family where if something is awry, to make sure it's not AI or some scammer where it's, hey, you know, your grandson or your granddaughter, is, you know, they're, they're, they've been kidnapped or they've been in a car accident or, or, or. You go down the list. And you see these stories all the time, and they're very real, folks. It happens. They're trying to extract all sorts of things from you. Some of them will say, yeah, you know, you need to wire money to get him out of the, the, you know, the, the jam that he's in. Go down to Walmart, send a money order to here, blah, blah, blah. And people do it. And they're scammed out of, I had another PSA earlier in the week. I forgot to look at the actual number because we've talked about it on The Daily Show before. Billions upon billions of dollars in Colorado ranks very high as a state where scammers succeed. So I'm not saying this to scare anybody. It's really to bring awareness to stop giving out personal information and be careful who you talk to, what you say, and the information you give them. I mean that sincerely. Far too many people give out far too much information on social media, as far as I'm concerned. And, and I know it can be easy to do, because it just, it just happens. And, and I don't know why, but anyways, just food for thought. So be, be careful in that area. Uh, somebody just texted and said, NPR Science Friday just went over why tires do not last as long as its vehicles do. Okay. I'll go look that up. But I thought that was pretty common knowledge that tires don't last as long as the vehicles. Maybe there's more to this. If you mean to say something else in that text message, please send it back. And I can talk about that on Drive Radio tomorrow or a little bit today if needed. This would apply here as well. All right. Getting into water. So that last PSA, just be really careful. And, and the reason why I said that is it never fails. Every time I look at social media, and I'm not joking, every time I see one of these things I just mentioned trying to glean information from people, and what's scary is people answer it. I watch them answer these things. And remember this as well. Depending upon how that post was created, if it's some sort of a public post where everybody can see it, and you're not looking at the security side of that, and you comment, even if your settings are private, but because you commented, your comment now is seen. So be really careful what you do there and what you're commenting on and what you're giving answers to. And for the love of God, stop sharing that stuff. (laughs) Honestly, I, I say that in the nicest way possible. Stop sharing it. If it gets sent to you or you see it, Please don't share it to your own wall. Don't do it. It's tempting. It might be fun. Don't do it. At the end of the day, you may very well be compromising somebody else that you love by posting that. I have no other way to say it. That's, that's exactly what could happen. So be very, very careful along those lines. All right, water. Let's start with the requirements for water. And not just the rule of thumb. I went and looked up some specific things when it comes to how much water do individuals need. And I've got a chart here. So we'll start with the young folks. One to three years of age, four cups or 32 ounces. This is daily. 
daily adequate intake. This isn't if somebody's ill or you're outside working and it's super hot and you're trying to rehydrate. I'm not talking about that. This is just regular daily adequate intake. One to three years, four cups. Four to eight years, five cups. Nine to 13, seven to eight cups. 14 to 18, eight to 11 cups. Men, 19 and older, 13 cups. Women, 19 and older, nine cups. What's interesting is this chart's even breaking down men versus women. And we had that discussion on Rush to Reason yesterday, but there is a difference, folks, even in this particular case. Pregnant women, 10 cups. Breastfeeding women, 13 cups. You're up to where a man is 19 and older if you're breastfeeding. So what I came up with is if you're an average couple and kids are all grown and gone, if you have kids, you've got to change my equation around, but I'm just looking at an average man and woman above the age of 19. You need, on average, between the two people, 11 cups a day. There's 16 cups in a gallon. And remember, 11 cups doesn't include any kind of washing of dishes, cooking, meal prep, anything like that. It's strictly what you need to live on. That's all. And that's a conservative number. If you're in a need, you know, if you're in a time of crisis and you're walking a lot more, you're doing some things outside or it's hot like it is now, that number is going to go up. So what I did is I said, okay, a conservative amount would be let's double the 16 a day. Or the, you know, because I did 11 cups on average for a couple. I added four cups extra just for even. I mean, if you made one or two ramen noodles, you're going to use the other four cups. I don't think I'm, Charlie, you make, you probably have done ramen noodles. It's a cup or so per ramen noodle pack. So if you've just had a couple of packs of those a day, there's your four cups. So I'm being really conservative in what I'm saying here. So I doubled the, I added the four cups on top of the 11 just to get 16 cups, which is a gallon. So you need almost a gallon of water a day just to drink. And then I said, all right, I think you need another gallon a day just to do some of the other things with. And this is conservative numbers, not washing of clothes. This is just getting food ready, washing some dishes, make sure things are clean, sterile, maybe a little bit of washing of your body. You know, sort of soap and water on a rag kind of a thing. Not bath, not shower, none of that. Just keeping things clean without washing of clothes. Okay? This does not include that. I'm saying two gallons a day is essentially what most people are going to need. Now, that's a really, really, really low number if you look at what the average household uses on any given day. It's a super low number. Two gallons is being... I mean, you're measuring what you're using throughout the day. You're not just going to sit there and guzzle water. You better be measuring it out, or you're going to use far more than two gallons a day. So if you start thinking about two gallons a day, how are you going to store water so you have enough? I think some people think, well, if I get a couple of the five-gallon deep broth things and fill them up, I'm pretty good. Well, not really, because if you had a 55-gallon drum and you use the two gallons a day, the math says you only have about 27 days worth of water. That's it. 27 days on a 55-gallon drum, and most of you don't have 55 gallons of water stored. Very few people would have 55 gallons of water stored unless you purposely store 55 gallons. 
So keep in mind, that's either 55 one-gallon jugs or it's a little over, what, it's 11, I guess, five-gallon buckets. It's one 55-gallon drum, which they make containers that you could, if you've got a nice, cool place in the basement or whatever where you wanted to store a 55-gallon drum, you could do that. They make them specifically for fresh water, by the way. But even with 55 gallons, you're a 27-day supply is all. Now, I know there's a little more water around the house. We talked about that some last week. Hot water heater has 50 gallons, roughly 40 to 50. So there's a little bit of water storage for you, and you'd have to be very careful in using that. And again, we're talking about if there's a crisis where the power is out and you no longer have water pressure and you didn't fill some things up prior, bathtub and so on, how are you going to get by? Now, in most cases, when it comes to an EMP especially, I doubt very seriously if anybody's going to have time to go fill the bathtub. You might be able to fill it with pressure that's in the line already. But typically when water quits being pressurized, you're done. Some of you even live uphill from the main in your neighborhood. And the minute the pressure drops, you, you've got no water coming in the house. Whatever's in your existing pipes, which might be, I don't know, Charlie, when you think about if you're going to fix some plumbing, depending upon the size of the house and you run the faucet, you might get a gallon out of the pipes when you run a faucet, you know, you're going to have some water in your toilet bowl, your, your toilet um, tank. Make sure I say that correctly. But you're going to need to flush the toilet as well. And that's another one where you're going to need to be very careful in what you're doing along those lines. Every time you flush it, depending upon the toilet, it's a gallon and a half. On a low flush toilet, it's a gallon and a half going down the drain. One, three, one, five, something like that. So again, you have to be very careful in what we're using. And I, in my daily adequate intake, didn't figure any water into flushing a toilet. That would be using the restroom outside. We talked all this show a lot about sanitation, and you can see how quickly, if there was a widespread power outage in this country, you can see how badly sanitation would become quickly. Would not take very long. Because of what I'm saying here, people will be using the restroom outside. They will only have a day or two of enough water to even flush the toilet and do what they need to do inside their home. Most people will not have stored water at all. Whatever they've got in the fridge, bottled water, etc., they're not even going to think to go to the hot water heater, folks. Somebody will have to tell them, you know, you have some water in your hot water heater if you'd like to use it. Most will not know that it's even there. I mean that sincerely. They will have no idea where to get water from. They will be running, if they have the ability and they're even around their house, they will be running out, walking to whatever the closest store is, trying to buy some. And, of course, that will be gone in, you know, hours, if not minutes, after something major happens. That, that local store will be just torn apart. There'll be nothing left of it. You've seen what things look like when there's, you know, riots and looting and so on. That's exactly what will happen if there's a widespread power outage anywhere in this country. What you're thinking of going down and doing in that case isn't going to be there. And frankly, nor do you want to be a part of that. It will be pandemonium at best.
I, folks, I'm not trying to scare anybody, but just painting a real picture of if things like we had Bill Forstian on last week talking about, you know, his books, One Second After, and he's got a series of them all the way to five years after, which is a new book coming out in August. And he's one of those that says it's not a matter of if, it's when. So I'm not trying to be bleak. I'm just trying to be very realistic as to what will happen when these things take place. I sir, to the sewer treatment plant, and you're on sewer. You had better have figured out on the front side how to plug up all of your drains, all of your drains, not just your toilet drains, because everything goes to the same place. It's just piped differently. But everything's going to the same place. Brown water, black water, you know, gray water, black water, all going to the same place. And when something happens and the filtration plant is no longer able to do so, things will start backing up. I was, I'm going to do my best to get somebody from a water treatment plant on to talk about this. But my gut feeling is once they're out, their generator no longer works and they have no ability to pump and do what they need to do. I am guessing it will start backing up. It's bound to. Either it's going to back up or everything's going to roll down to the treatment plant and it'll overflow. One of the two. I don't know which it is. I am guessing the treatment plant has safety mechanisms whereby if they can't treat water, it stops and probably diverts or just backs up. Again, these are things, folks, I'm not in that world. If you are and you have an answer to that, please let me know. 303-477-5600. You can also send us a text message, and I can answer it or read it on air. If you know how that works at the treatment plant side of things, please let me know. All right, we'll take a break. Stack Optical. Alan was on with me last week on Fix-It Radio and Drive Radio both. Always love having Alan on. Always learn a lot. One thing I learned last week in regards to being ready, don't buy cheap sunglasses. If they're not polarized, Polarized, I should say. A cheap pair of sunglasses causes more eye damage than than not wearing them at all. Because it will allow your eyes to open more, your pupils to open more, thereby getting more ultraviolet rays in and actually damaging your eyes. So if you don't have good good quality sunglasses, go see Alan Stack, Stack Optical. If you need an eye exam, he can do that as well. Plus anything else you need, he can custom make anything as well. It's Alan Stack, Stack Optical, 303-321-1578. In such an uneasy and unpredictable time that we live in, growing your own food is becoming a necessity. Colorado Greenhouse Builders is a local family-owned and operated business that specializes in custom cedar greenhouses. Owners Jason and Annette have over 35 years of construction management experience and have built multi-million dollar greenhouse structures all over the country. Colorado Greenhouse Builders is one of the few companies that specializes in geothermal heating. Geothermal heating utilizes the sun's light and heat to create an amazing year-round growing opportunity. Their geothermal heating has proven to be a gardener's dream even in our cold Colorado winters. They can provide a custom consultation that includes an evaluation of your site and then provide recommendations and a custom plan for all your growing needs. Call Colorado Greenhouse Builders at 720-539-9806 or find them at ready-radio.com. That's ready-radio.com. Summer hailstorms have returned with a bang, leaving roofs across the front range in need of repair or replacement. You need to know what options will be best for your home. Here at Roof Savers Colorado, we pride ourselves in helping homeowners maintain their roofs through hail or shine. We work with any insurance company to get your damaged roof the replacement it needs. 
However, if you are looking to get more life out of your current roof, we also offer a 100% plant-based rejuvenation treatment that gives new roof performance without all the new roof costs. With over 20 plus years of roofing experience, we believe in helping you determine the right solution for your situation and through every season. If you think your roof has been a victim of hail, contact us to set up your free inspection and receive an honest evaluation about the condition of your roof. Call today at 303-710-6916. That's 303-710-6916. Or go to RoofSaversCO.com to keep a durable roof over your head. Do you know that your windshield is getting more expensive to replace? Most vehicles have options that help keep the vehicles from avoiding accidents or even keep it in the traffic lane. These windshields require more than just a replacement of the glass. They also require a calibration of the computer system to make sure everything is operational to the specifications the manufacturer set when the vehicle was built. You can't trust the traveling glass replacement shop to do these necessary calibrations as they require special equipment and in most cases an indoor shop to perform the calibration. We have two Novus locations that can replace your windshield and also do these calibrations. Novus Fort Collins and Novus Sterling. Both are fully equipped with the latest technology to service your vehicle properly. Find either location by going to any of our websites, ready-radio.com, drive-radio.com, or fixitradio.com. Just click on the Novus link. That's Novus Autoglass. All right, water is a hot topic, by the way. Every time I get on this, we get lots of feedback. I have several text messages in, and by the way, lots of information. Thank you all. Nobody's against what I'm saying. A lot of you are saying, hey, like, for example, in the service, a military man, they plan on seven gallons a day, not one, seven. Because the, the math I'm giving you guys on two people, a married couple having two gallons a day, that is like bare minimum. Some of you even said, well, isn't the calculation so many ounces per weight and so on? These are very much minimal averages to keep you alive only. That, that you know, men 19 and older at 13 cups a day or 104 ounces, that's keeping you alive. You could probably get by with a little less than that if you had to, but the heavier you are, yes, you may need more than 100 ounces. If you're a heavy set individual and somebody else said this does not include working hard, being outside when it's hot, so on and so forth. Correct. And so rule of thumb is if you're not going to every two to four hours, you're dehydrated. You're not drinking enough. So those are good rule of thumb to remember. And, you know, I don't want to get into all sorts of graphic things, but you can even tell by the color thing out if you're dehydrated or not. If you don't, you know, if you want to know more about that, just look it up over the Internet as far as those and what color it should be on. And, and, you know, that's a whole probably it's probably a whole hour by itself. I could bring a medical doctor on and probably should get Dr. Scott, one of our new sponsors on to, to down in Castle Rock to talk a little more about that, because you can tell a lot by the color, smell and so on as to what your body's even doing. And in those times of crisis, it would be, it would behoove you to know on the front side what to look for. Probably the best way for me to say that. And again, don't want to get too graphic, but hey, these are things that when those times come, you're going to have to know this stuff. So it may be graphic and sound gross right now, but believe me, when something like this were to happen and you're not feeling well and you want to know what's going on, this is important information to have for your family. So it may sound weird and graphic and so on, but... Good things to know on the front side. Somebody else said that they, 
include in their calculations, you know, flushing the toilet. If you want to do that, that's fine. I, I have no issues with you. You know, you, you are you. You and your family, you have to sit down at a table, by the way, and figure out these calculations for yourself. I am guessing that most people will run out of water much faster than they think. They will not have enough. And most people have no way of supplementing their water. Very few do. There are a few fortunate individuals out there that have wells where you may be able to, you know, rig up some sort of a pump and extract water or have a generator where you could hook it directly up to the pump. Keep in mind, unless those things are hardened, they're not turning on. I mean, the power source, the generator. Unless you've hardened that, it's not coming on. You're not going to have any well water. And most of the wells in Colorado, up and down this front range especially, but in most places, are deep. Hardened as in you need an EMP shield or you need your generator inside of a Faraday cage, Faraday box, to keep it alive after an EMP. Because every, unless you've got a really, really old generator that runs off of some sort of a point system like old cars did, it's running off of something that is what we call solid state ignition. And a little computer will be wiped out in an EMP strike. As Bill said last week, an EMP is detonated miles and miles and miles above the earth. And that electrical discharge is going to come down all the way to earth, go into the earth, and come back out. And everything that is electronic will act as an antenna. And I'm not sure they even know every single thing that will be wiped out. But for the most part, anything that has electronics in it will be dead. Will no longer be working. So somebody else also said, the big Berkey ceramic filter cans are very slow. It's a full-time job for a family. And snow to water is a 10 to 1 ratio. Yes, thank you, by the way. Great information. So if those of you thinking, well, I'll just go out and melt some snow. Well, it takes a lot of snow. And you'll have to purify it as well to the point of this texture. And if you don't have that, how are you going to purify your snow? Boil it. You better make sure you've got a heating source and everything else needed when it comes to those things. I, I really do feel like not only food, but water will be a big, big, big deal to most people because they will not have any idea how to go get it. Now, of course, there are streams and rivers and so on that run, you know, through town even. But again, that water can't be drank raw. It has to be purified first. If you drink it raw, you're going to be in trouble. You're going to not feel good. Anybody that's watched even Naked and Afraid or Alive any of those programs where it's a survivalist-type show know that even some of them will take risks and drink water at times that they shouldn't have, and then they're sick after. In some cases, takes them out of, the, out of the game, out of the show. You do not want to drink water. You have no idea where it comes from. So, it is... Uh, 
It is very important. I, I don't know how else to say it. Texter also commented on my initial opening comment about not giving out too, too much information. There was a commercial years ago, a lady posting she's off to the beach for vacation. Then they show up, and then they show a guy in a ski mask responding to her post, have a great time. Yeah, thank you. Goes along with what I was talking about earlier. Okay, going back to the water thing. And last week, we really got into some of the storage, filtration, and so on. And again, there are all sorts of filtration devices out on the market today. You have to figure out what's going to work best for you. There is everything from a stu- you know, from a straw to some people like the Berkeys, and I've got some people commenting that they don't work as well as you think. So this is one of those things you're going to have to go do your own research on. I'm not going to tell you what to do. Of course, the best way to make sure water is safe is boil it. Now, that takes time, though. That's a, now we're in a full-time job just keeping up with the water. Boiling, storing, and so on. You need to have some initial storage first to then be able to even filter and, and handle the water situation moving forward. You do not want to be doing that last minute. You want to have some storage initially. And don't take for granted that, oh, you know, there's a creek by my backyard. I'll just run back and grab some water out of it. Um, if you know the creeks there, how many other people know the creeks there? And what, you know, this will be like the convenience store. I'm not exaggerating when I say this. This will be like the convenience store. Any place somebody will go to that water to get some, they will be. They will be. You will not be the only one there. You know, this won't be like some picnic day where you see the little girl in her checkered dress strolling down to the creek to grab a little bit of water for her bucket, and then she strolls back in. No, it will not be that way. It will be every person for themselves. And good luck on getting water out of the stream. Everybody else will be there fighting for the same thing. And then it's anarchy. Whoever has the most power will control the creek. That's how this will work. Again, not trying to scare everybody, but this is how it will work. And if you think the cops are going to show up and help you, um, I'm, I would venture to guess. I don't think I'm too wrong in saying this. The minute something like this happens, every cop you know will be trying to get home to protect their own family. They're not going to protect you. I'm just being honest, folks. In most Emergency responders have families. Not all. I know there's some single folks out there running around, but a lot of emergency responders have families. Where do you think they're going to go? I know they have you know, an oath to protect and serve and so on, but their first, and I don't blame them for this, their first responsibility is their own family. So where do you think they're going to go? Their own family, by the way. So once again, we get into this habit of thinking, well, I'll just dial up 911 or, you know, the cops will be down there making sure nobody takes more out of the creek than they should and blah, 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 blah. Um, it will not work that way, folks. It will not work that way. Now, there's a lot of folks in the inner city, inner cities, they don't even know where the creek is. Now, downtown Denver, South Platte runs through it. Can you imagine what the lower part of Denver will be like if there's anything happening like I just said and how many people will be down at the river trying to get something out of it. Again, it will be pandemonium. Oh, yeah, thank you, Charlie. People down there taking baths and doing things in it they shouldn't and contaminating it even more than what it already is. And I've been to third world countries, folks. 
I've been to where I've watched them wash a dump truck upstream while everybody down below it is filling up a water jug. And I am not exaggerating in what I just said. Literally, machinery upstream that they are washing mud and crud and stuff off of. People bathing in it, you name it. Everything's going on in the river because it's the place everybody gathers for the same reason I'm talking. What do you think is downstream? And why do you think a lot of those people struggle to stay alive and well knowing what they're drinking out of? And this is something else to think about. Their systems are even able to drink some things we can't because they're used to it. You, all of us listening in this audience, you go drink even a shot glass of that water they're drinking and you're going to have big problems. You will not feel good. Trust me. So the water thing is a big, big deal. And I personally have not gone out and researched what's the, what's the type of water filter you should have if you're going to filter water in your house. I have other means of that, so frankly, I don't have to. I, I'll just leave it at that. I, I have other sources available to me where the filtration thing won't have to be a big deal for me. And I do have, and I think you guys have all heard me talk, I've got the straws whereby, you know, it won't last forever, but I've got enough of them to where if you had to get by a couple of months with just the straws, you could. And yes, those are safe and those will work. You can use those, you know, drink right out of the creek if you had to. So research your own filtration. What's the best way to do it? Boiling it, of course, is always going to be best if you have that ability. But remember, you may not. The other thing I think we need to remember when we start talking about big EMPs and the things that we're talking about right now, some people are just going to be on the move. You're not going to be able to stay where you're at right now. You, you safety-wise, won't be able to stay where you're at. Homes will be ransacked. People will be looking for things. Again, we talked last week with Bill Forstian about the amount of people that will pass away in the first 30 days if something like this were to happen, and a lot of it is because of medical conditions. A lot of it will be because people will kill each other. I'm sorry, they just will. They already do when things get tough in looting situations and so on. And a lot of you have seen sort of the end of the world movies where those things happen. Um, I think they don't play it up as much as they should. If you have a good uh, pack, I guess you could call it, with all of your neighbors and you've got the ability to do some things together and pool resources and so on, you may be better off than those that are the Lone Ranger. If you don't know your neighbors and you don't have the ability to band together, you're going to be out there all on your own, and I don't know how that fares. You may not be able to stay in your home. Mickey texted in and said, yeah, it's called Montezuma's Revenge. Yes, thank you, Mickey. <laughs> good choice of words. Yeah, drinking water that's not good, you will be on the run and not the way I just said it on the run, if you get my drift. It will not be pleasant. So you're going to have to be really, really careful. Now, some of you are saying, well, you know, I've got a bunch of Coke and Pepsi and so on, and, you know, I'll be okay. Mm, no, you won't. You still need water. Yes, you could drink some of those other things to get some nourishment, I guess you could say sugar, energy, whatever, out of that, but that's not going to be your end all. You're going to need fresh water. It is a must. Even for the cleanliness, or especially for the cleanliness sides of things, 
as well. Somebody also said that Project Farm has a video on water filters on YouTube. Great. Somebody should go watch, you know, go watch that. Again, I, I have not. I, I will do my best to look at some of these different filtration systems that are out there. I am not an expert in water filtration. In fact, Scott Watley has somebody that uh, is Paul. Is that his name Paul the Water Guy? Paul the Water Guy is on with Scott periodically, and I'll see if I can't get Paul on here maybe in the upcoming weeks and get his thoughts on this because water filtration is a bigger deal than most people think. And I would be the first to say I agree with one of the texters that some of what people think might be really popular and work well Uh, It may not be as good as you think. Do your own testing and look at some of these videos that are out there. It's sort of like on Drive Radio where I tell people, go look at some of the videos out there on oil filters. And there's videos where people cut them apart from the low scale all the way to the high scale. And some would say, oh, there's no difference. They're all the same. Um, When it comes to oil filters, there's a huge difference. Huge. I'm guessing water filtration is much the same. I'm guessing there's a huge difference from one end to the other. And just like oil filters, just because it's made in in an orange color and has an F on it, doesn't mean it's a good filter, even though it's a very well-known brand. That doesn't mean it's a good filter. Just because they've marketed well and they sell a bunch of them, doesn't mean it's a good filter. I'm guessing the same is true when it comes to water filtration. And I would also guess that it's what you pay for. You get what you pay for. And the more you pay, the better quality it's most likely going to be. So, again, these are things that you need to research on your own and figure out, okay, if I have to do some of this, how is that going to work? And as I said last week, the other thing I think folks need to really consider is if you're downstream, close to a treatment plant, how is that going to work as far as your waste is concerned? If you're on city sewer, how is that going to work? If you're on septic, it's a non-issue. Do whatever you need to do. Have enough water on hand to flush your toilets and be my guest. Flush the toilet. I would also say that once people know that you have water and toilets that flush in a septic system, you better guard your home. People are going to want to be in there. They're not going to want to go do their business outside if they don't have to. I'm not trying to be gross here, folks, but these are the things none of us think about and we take for granted. I've been to third world countries where raw sewage runs down the curb. Yes, I've experienced that. Yes, I know the smell. It's not good. It's awful. Actually, it's disgusting. I know they get used to it. I I could not. I'm sorry. That is one of those things when you go to one of those countries I just struggle with. The, the lack of cleanliness and the smell alone is awful. It's disgusting. Most people here wouldn't have no idea what that even looks like. It, it's, a, it's an eye-opening experience. I've had enough experience in third-world countries to know I don't want to live in one. Okay? I'm, I'm very thankful I live here. I guess it's why I have such a love for this country and wanting to keep it the way it is, make it better even, because I know what the alternative looks like, and it's not good. So those of you that are on the other side of the aisle... You, you should go travel around to some of those places and see what it's like before you think we should be one of them. I'll, I'll leave that at that. All right, we've got to take a quick break. We'll come right back. Ready Radio, don't forget the website, ready-radio.com. We'll be right back, though, KLZ 560. Summer hailstorms have returned with a bang, leaving roofs across the front range in need of repair or replacement. You need to know what options will be best for your home. Here at Roof Savers Colorado, we pride ourselves in helping homeowners maintain their roofs through hail or shine. We work with any insurance company to get your damaged roof the replacement it needs. 
However, if you're looking to get more life out of your current roof, we also offer a 100% plant-based rejuvenation treatment that gives new roof performance without all the new roof costs. With over 20 plus years of roofing experience, we believe in helping you determine the right solution for your situation and through every season. If you think your roof has been a victim of hail, contact us to set up your free inspection and receive an honest evaluation about the condition of your roof. Call today at 303-710-6916. That's 303-710-6916. Or go to RoofSaversCO.com to keep a durable roof over your head. Do you know that your windshield is getting more expensive to replace? Most vehicles have options that help keep the vehicles from avoiding accidents or even keep it in the traffic lane. These windshields require more than just a replacement of the glass. They also require a calibration of the computer system to make sure everything is operational to the specifications the manufacturer set when the vehicle was built. You can't trust the traveling glass replacement shop to do these necessary calibrations as they require special equipment and in most cases an indoor shop to perform the calibration. We have two Novus locations that can replace your windshield and also do these calibrations. Novus Fort Collins and Novus Sterling. Both are fully equipped with the latest technology to service your vehicle properly. Find either location by going to any of our websites, ready-radio.com, drive-radio.com, or fixitradio.com. Just click on the Novus link. That's Novus Autoglass. Have you been thinking about a new pair of glasses? Maybe some prescription sunglasses. will look no further than Stack Optical. Since 1968, yes, you heard me right. Since 1968, Stack Optical has been providing the most comprehensive quality ocular care for their patients. This family-owned business is proud to be one of the few optical offices that has their own on-site eyeglass production and eyeglass repair studio. Stack Optical, located at 2233 South Monaco Parkway, features the most extensive lines of eyeglass frames, sunglasses, and contact lenses to ensure that you love your appearance and experience superior comfort. Our comprehensive eye exams proactively diagnose eye conditions and diseases while providing the most accurate vision care. We welcome you to experience a lifetime of superior ocular care from doctors that are devoted to your eye health. Call now for your $69 eye exam, 303-321-1578. At Stack Optical, you'll see the difference. In such an uneasy and unpredictable time that we live in, growing your own food is becoming a necessity. Colorado Greenhouse Builders is a local family-owned and operated business that specializes in custom cedar greenhouses. Owners Jason and Annette have over 35 years of construction management experience and have built multi-million dollar greenhouse structures all over the country. Colorado Greenhouse Builders is one of the few companies that specializes in geothermal heating. Geothermal heating utilizes the sun's light and heat to create an amazing year-round growing opportunity. Their geothermal heating has proven to be a gardener's dream, even in our cold Colorado winters. They can provide a custom consultation that includes an evaluation of your site and then provide recommendations and a custom plan for all your growing needs. Call Colorado Greenhouse Builders at 720-539-9806 or find them at ready-radio.com. That's ready-radio.com. All right, Rush to Reason, Denver's Afternoon Rush, KLZ 560. I was talking to Annette, by the way, from Colorado Greenhouse Builders this morning, and one thing she noted was 
They are fixing a lot of greenhouses right now due to the hail that came through, you know, really better part of the summer. Here's the catch, though. None of them being the ones they've put up. Their greenhouses they put up have been fine. No issues. No breakage. No nothing. Withstood the hail. No problem. The ones they're going out and servicing are everybody else's greenhouse, where roofs were broken apart and so on and so forth. So if you really want a good, solid greenhouse, and they can do small you know, small units that attach to the house all the way up to great big conglomerates, depending upon what you want to do to grow your own food, anything you know, anything in between, they can do it all. Just go to Colorado Greenhouse Builders, find them at ready-radio.com, and they build a good, solid, high-quality product. All right. Speaking of water, somebody else said a moment ago that the small bottles you get from the store, convenience store or the like, are not suitable for storing long-term. And that is correct. They are not. They will break down over time as well, especially if they're not stored in a dark, cool place. If you've got them anywhere where they're getting sunlight on them and what have you, they will not last very long at all. They have a shelf life also. The bottle itself, the plastic, will break down. I'll get into what to store things in in a minute. But just to prove my point on the pandemonium pandemonium that will break out when and if something like what I'm talking about happens. So in Arvada last night, 73rd and Ralston, three people were shot after confronting shoplifters. This is at 1.09 a.m. Witnesses called the Arvada Police Department to report two men who were shoplifting items from a 7-Eleven. Thugs is what we should say. Two thugs were shoplifting items. The two thugs left the store and were confronted by several people, according to the Arvada police. A fight broke out, and the men got into an older model white sedan before leaving through the west end of the parking lot. The driver stopped across from the victims who were in front of the store and fired seven shots, according to Arvada police. Three people were hit by the gunfire. Police said one victim was treated at the scene and released. Two others were taken to the hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. People are looking for, or the police are looking for, these two thugs who were last seen driving the white sedan with no front license plate, a brown scrape on the driver's side, and front bumper damage. So anyone with information is supposed to call Arvada police. There's pictures of them on 9 News's website. Here's my point with that story. This is just two thugs shoplifting at a 7-Eleven. What if all the power is out and it's survival of the fittest? What do you think these two thugs are doing then? Well, first of all, they're probably on foot because their sedan probably doesn't run, but you get where I'm going with this. They're armed. They're dangerous. They have no problem shooting at people. And if you happen to be down at the stream gathering water, while they're there trying to gather water, who do you think wins, especially if you're not armed? And even if you, even if you are, are you going to have a shootout confrontation just because somebody else wants water while you're there? And that's going to get dicey. That's my whole point. I think, damn, you or my old co-host just typed in or just texted in and said, if you live in or near a population center, you're really screwed. If you live in an apartment or such, you're really, really, really screwed. Yeah, Dan, I think you're 100% correct. You will really need to reevaluate where are you going to be in a time like this. And you, if you're in one of those situations, apartment especially, you better make sure all of your neighbors are on your side. On the, on the same page. As a side note, if you live in an upper level of a situation like that, you know, apartment or something, 
and the power goes out, you're not going to have any water, period. We here at Crawford Broadcasting are on the 12th story, and Charlie and I both can attest to the fact that if power is out, so is the water. How do we know that? Because the water here is pumped up to the 12th story. And when it's out, we have no water. There's no agua. It's gone. You don't even get it. I'm not exaggerating. You don't even get a trickle out of the faucet. It's a done deal. So when you live up and it requires pumps to get the water there and the power is out, you have no water. So, again, not trying to scare everybody in today's program, but really getting you to think, how is this going to work if and when that time happens? What are you going to do? So, speaking of gathering water, this is something we've never really talked about on this program. Haven't even talked about it with the likes of Bill. You're out of water. Your supply that you've had, the stash, and we'll talk about even what to store that in in a moment, but your stash of water is now gone or it's depleting quickly, more, more quickly than you thought. And you've got to go gather up some water. You do know where some water supplies are, some sources are, streams, rivers, things like that. Most likely, unless you've planned ahead and have a vehicle that runs, you're going to be walking there. So a question I have for some of you listening is, how are you going to gather up water? Do you have a clean five-gallon bucket? Does it have the ability to have a lid put on it? By the way, five gallons of water is very heavy to carry. Is, do you have some sort of a little wheelbarrow or wheel device that you could put said water in and make it easier to carry? Could you carry 10 gallons at a time? See where I'm going with this? If you have to go out and gather water, what are you putting it in? Because your little thermos that you're wanting to drink out of, if that's all you're going down to the river and gathering, isn't going to be enough. We're kind of going back in time to when people had wells with ropes on them, and there was a bucket attached to it, and you cranked it down and got water and cranked it back up, and every time somebody needed water, little Johnny was out doing it. In third world countries, by the way, that's a lot of how it works. They have these big sticks. You've seen them. Big sticks with ropes and some sort of bags or buckets on the ends. And most likely, it's I've seen it with my own two eyes. I, this is going to surprise a lot of you. Maybe not. It kind of did me when I first saw it. So if it surprised me, it would surprise you. The average age of the individuals going down to the river to gather water to bring back home was probably five or six. And I'm not exaggerating when I say that. And here's why. When the kids get a little older, they're working. They're doing something else. They are no longer needed to gather water. They're doing something else to make the family successful and and fed. They're out in the field. They're farming. They're doing something. They're not running down to the river, getting water, and coming back. So the majority of people in third world countries, Africa and the like, that you see going down to the river to get water for the family that day are small children. Five, six, seven years of age, maybe 10 at the most. I think I've seen some as small as three or four going down to the river to get water. Is it sad? It breaks your heart. These are little bitty kids that in this country would be sitting in front of a TV doing nothing. These kids are going down to get water or they're herding. You know, here's the other thing. When they get to be 10 or 11, they're herding goats or sheep or cows. They're not getting water anymore. They graduated. They've got a new job now. They moved up the ladder. And their younger sibling or cousin or nephew or whatever 
is getting the water instead. So we have no idea what this will be like in those times. And as much as I love Bill and the books that he wrote, he's very nice in those books as to how things go. I think it's a lot worse than what his books say is my point. A lot worse than what he says. Because the things that I'm talking about will happen, and it will be dramatic. More dramatic than I think people even think. So what do you store things in? Well, we talked last week, even to Bill Fortune, who wrote some of these books we're talking about. On the small scale, old two-liter bottles that have had Coke or Pepsi or anything like that in it, you could use those, rinse them out good, put water in those. Of course, one-gallon water jugs, although they will break down too. You have to be careful of some of this. They won't last forever. So be thinking about that. Also, as you get larger, are you going to use five-gallon buckets? Are you going to use 55-gallon drums? Are you going to use some of the collapsible jugs that you could have kicking around and fill up as needed? What are you going to do when it comes to that? How are you going to handle that? There are lots of water, how should I say this, water-approved storage jugs that you can start acquiring and filling up. I still think one of the best ways to do it, because they're really inexpensive, it's probably the cheapest thing you can do to store larger quantities of water, would be either a 55-gallon drum or the old you know, Deep Rock or El Dorado Springs water jugs. As I said last week with Bill, you can buy. They're cheap. I bought for 5 or $6, I bought like a six-pack where you can take a jug, refill it, and reseal it. It, pretty simple. They, they make, you know, those are resealable jugs. That's why there's a recycle on them. You're, you know, you, there's a deposit on those jugs. But when it's all said and done, the deposit on those jugs is very inexpensive to then have to store water in and reseal like I just said. So if you're somebody that gets water delivered and you want to keep an extra supply around, that's an easy thing to do. You can also buy jugs at the grocery store. And again, most of them have handles now to where if you even need to carry those or put them into a wheelbarrow or some sort of a cart to go to the water source and come back, you'd have that ability with those jugs. But again, you need the ability to fill those in an easy fashion. And then once they're filled, figure out a way to purify said water that you now have on hand. These are all things, again, that you guys should be sitting down and talking about as a family, even as a neighborhood. I do believe, I don't think I'm wrong in this, they talk more about food than they do fresh water, and I think that's a mistake. Most people will have no idea what to do when it comes to the water sides of things. They will not have any idea, and people will be desperate on all fronts, folks. Desperate for food, desperate for water, desperate for medications. Uh, you know, people that are addicted to certain substances will be out scouring for those things. I mean, this is, again, this will be pure survival. Somebody also texted and said, I, I understand that you want food-grade storage containers. Correct. That's correct. Be careful what you put your water in. Now, if you're desperate 
and you're going down to the creek because you've not planned ahead and you have nothing left but a five-gallon old paint bucket you cleaned out, you know what? You're going to have to use whatever you got at that point. What I'm saying is, like this texter, plan ahead. If you have the ability to get water and put it in something else on the front side, do so. Most people won't have resources necessary to do the things that we're talking about. It will be imperative that you do. Otherwise, you're, you're going to be left holding the bag and wondering, what do we do next to make all this work? So again, don't, I don't want, to, want this to be a downer today. Don't ever want the show to be a downer. This is a show where I want people to be prepared, and we call it Ready Radio. That was Charlie's idea, Ready Radio, to be ready for the what-ifs of life. And what I just talked about could apply to any kind of an emergency. EMP, something knocks out power, terrorist attack. Uh, could be a widespread, even flood, tornadoes, anything along those lines to where you're without services for any number of days. You've got to make sure you've got the ability to survive in those situations. And I hope what we give you will help out. We put a lot of links and different things up on the website, ready-radio.com. That's the place to go. Again, ready-radio.com. If you're listening to a replay of this show, by the way, thank you very much for that as well. It's been a live show today on July the 28th. All right, we got another full uh, hour of Rush to Reason coming up next. Unless it's a replay, I don't know what's going to play next. But otherwise, have a have a great one, folks. Again, keep listening. We appreciate it very much. Ready Radio, KLZ 560. Views and opinions expressed on KLZ 560 are those of the speaker, commentators, hosts, their guests, and callers. They are not necessarily the views and opinions of Crawford Broadcasting or KLZ management, employees, associates, or advertisers. KLZ 560 is a Crawford Broadcasting God and Country station.